I want to talk about three things that all have happened and are happening in Jerusalem. And it wasn't until Marcia sang the song that I realized the three things I wanted to say all had to do with the holy city of Jerusalem, which, in case you didn't notice, she sang about shalom, about peace, but inside of the word Jerusalem, in Hebrew, Yerushalayim, is the word for peace and the word for wholeness. Um, and the reason that I wanted to focus on Jerusalem, even though I didn't know it at the time, uh, was because this past week, my rav, my rabbi, died in Jerusalem. Rabbi David Hartman, who was a great inspiration to many rabbis all over the world, uh, who was an Orthodox rabbi who was ordained by the great Rav, the great rabbi Joseph Soloveitchik at Yeshiva University in the 1950s, and coming from an Orthodox background, moved his entire family, he and his wife and their five children, to Jerusalem and founded the Shalom Hartman Institute, which was named for his father. And he was really somebody who uh, took a lot of grief from the Orthodox community in Israel because he had an idea that Judaism should literally be a heart of many rooms. He, celebra he celebrated pluralism. And he started this yeshiva, this machon, this institute in Israel in order to move away from the idea that the Orthodox Jews study in yeshiva and the Reformed Jews study over here and then the conservative Jews, why aren't we all studying together? And his vision was to take um, Jews, rabbis from all over North America, from Canada and the United States, and bring them to Jerusalem to study together. And he wanted Orthodox, Reconstructionists, Reform, conservative men, women, gays, straight, everybody who was a rabbi to come and study and learn about pluralism in the heart, the navel of the universe, and then bring it back to wherever their congregations were. So. Rabbi Wolf Prezan went through the program, I went through the program, and now Rabbi Jaffe is one of the Hartman Rabbinic Fellows. And it's a great honor to study there. Without the genius of David Hartman, women would not have been able to study Torah and Talmud, Mishnah and Gomorrah and Midrash in an authentic way in Israel with men. We'd have to study it just as women and miss out on half of the great scholarship that is our people's. So there was really no other place and there still is no other place for rabbis to study where I could sit next to an Orthodox rabbi, and I did that for four years, um, and my conservative colleagues, men and women together, studying to figure out what we're going to look like and who we're going to be in the next generation. And so I really wanted to, to say what a great loss it is um, to think about where, where we are going without a man like David Hartman, who was able to fulfill this incredible vision. At the same time in Jerusalem, there was an election the week before, and the members of Knesset were sworn in. And what was amazing to me is that, if you were following what happened in the Knesset, that there was a very progressive centrist party called Yesh Atid, Yatir Lapid uh, was the head of it, and one of the members of Knesset that was voted in to this position of power was named Ruth Calderon. So a woman who was a secular Israeli who started an institute in Tel Aviv, called Elul, for secular Israelis to study Torah and Talmud together, which is also completely out of the realm of the Orthodox world. Why would secular Israelis want to study Torah and Talmud? They're secular. They're not really religious. So these two things were happening simultaneously. Rabbi David Hartman died, and at the same time, Ruth Calderon came into the Knesset, and she gave her what was kind of like an Academy Award-winning Oscar speech and teaching and prayer. And she came 
as a very liberal centrist member of Knesset, and she was the one who delivered the prayer and accepted her place in the parliament of Israel. And the way that she did it is she taught Talmud. So here she is, a Bulgarian of Bulgarian descent, a secular Israeli who was really steeped in secular Zionism, but had a religious upbringing from one side of her family. And she stood there and she pulled out the Talmud and she said, I didn't get this from my grandfather. I got it from Yair Lapid's wife who gave me this, who's a beautiful writer in Israel. And she started to teach Talmud to these ultra-Orthodox members of Knesset. And I don't have time tonight to read to you the translation of what she said, but it's on YouTube in Hebrew. She read the Talmud in perfect Aramaic, and then she translated it into Hebrew. She set out the Daf Yomi, which is the, the, the piece of Talmud that she was studying and teaching. Um, and as she was teaching, the most incredible thing happened. Um, so I'm gonna ask you to get on the web and look this up and download it and read it yourself because it's one of the most, I mean, when we talked about it today, the rabbis acknowledged that we had tears in our eyes when we heard what she was saying. She was talking about this piece of Talmud that juxtaposes, juxtaposes people who study too much Talmud um, and basically ignore the real world, their responsibilities. And the rabbi who she was talking about um, also took a lot of grief for being somebody who, who uh, studied too much Torah or Talmud. And um, that rabbi's name is Rabbi Rechume. And Rechume comes from the Hebrew Rechem, or womb. And so she taught about the fact that in Hebrew, Rechem is womb. And in uh, Greek, Rechem is hysteria, the same root. Um, and she started teaching about the numerological um, derivation. She's a very wise woman. And in the middle of all of this teaching, um, somebody stands up and says something to her, and you wouldn't believe who it was. It was Yitzhak Vaknin, who is the head of Shas. Okay? He is in all black. He's a Sephardic, ultra-Orthodox rabbi, and he's the head of the Shas party, which is the far right-wing Sephardic Orthodox party. And she's teaching Talmud in front of the entire Knesset, and he stands up and he says, it is also, Rechem is also, the gematria for 248 is the numerology for the positive commandments that we keep. And she said to him, thank you very much. I really appreciate that we're having a dialogue. And she continued, and he stood up and he said, it's beautiful what you're teaching. It's beautiful what you're teaching? A secular woman is teaching Talmud in the Knesset, and she is saying, this is all of our book. This is all of our tradition. It came right through us and we have been divided from it. And my hope and my wish and my prayer is that for the future, for Yerushalayim, for peace, for all of our people, that we can get it together and we can all learn from this incredibly beautiful teaching and we can create a circle around, around not just the Torah, but around Israel through the Torah, which is very radical. So that's the second thing that happened in Jerusalem. And I really encourage you to read what Ruth Calderon said and think about the impact that it's gonna have on our people for the future of the people of Israel, because there's a very different focus in the government today. If that is a person who's allowed to teach Talmud and then have the Shas rabbi stand up and tell her that it was a beautiful teaching. A few years ago, she would have been shouted out of the Knesset, so things are really changing. Number three is that for the last 24 years, there's been a group of women who have tried to read Torah at the wall, and they're called Women of the Wall. And for 24 years, and, and I did this when I was in rabbinical school, went to the wall on Rosh Chodesh, on uh, the, the new moon, and tried to read Torah at the wall. 
And these women are very courageous because they keep getting arrested. They have not been allowed to read Torah at the wall for 24 years. But you know, women can be stubborn. So they keep showing up every single month. They put their tali tote inside of their jacket so nobody will see. And they carry the Torah in a duffel bag and they show up to read Torah. There has been a place designated for the women, which is behind Robinson's Arch where nobody can see or hear them read. But they're not gonna go for that because they want the wall to be a place for every single Jew. And so for 24 years, we've tried to read Torah at the wall. And it's only been really in the last few years that women have been arrested. And Anat Hoffman from um, the Israel Religious Action Center has um, put a lot of publicity forward. So the people start hearing about the fact that women aren't allowed to and want to pray and want to read Torah just like the men. So this month, the month of Adar, when Purim happens, when it's a heroine, when it's Esther who saves the people, Anat Hoffman came with several of the women who come with her. And actually, there was a very famous rabbi whose name is Rabbi Susan Silverman whose sister has been challenging the patriarchy for many years. Her name is Sarah Silverman. Anybody here heard of Sarah Silverman? Her sister's a rabbi. Her sister, who's the rabbi, and her niece were there with Anat Hoffman, and they came to the wall for Adar, and you know who came with them? The paratroopers who liberated and reclaimed Jerusalem in 1967. And they came to defend these women's right to read Torah at the wall. These are not soldiers, these are guys who are in their 70s now. Some almost 80 years old. And four or five of them came with Anat Hoffman and with these women and they stood at the women's section to read Torah at the wall. And it was incredibly powerful because they stood there together, this, this vast history of ours all coming together, these guys who were paratroopers who stood there and um, Anat Hoffman said to them, we have reclaimed the Temple Mount which are the words that the paratroopers general said when they got to the wall. We have reclaimed the Temple Mount. And this is what the women were saying with the paratroopers, these altacockers standing there protecting them. So when the men left, the altacockers, the paratroopers, they immediately were arrested again. But it was the first time in 24 years, of 24 years of trying to read Torah, that these women actually read Torah for the first time. So that's the third thing that happened in Jerusalem. So what I want to leave you with is you're thinking about the future of our people and the fact that, um, and I was just sharing with my partner Justine recently, that I think all the fighting that we do has kept us alive. Seriously, the machloka, the fact that we fight each other back and forth and back and forth keeps our people very lively. If the Orthodox took over, it would be very boring. And if the Reform took over, it would be very boring. We'd have nobody to fight with. Can you imagine never fighting with anybody in your family ever again? It wouldn't be very Jewish, I don't think. So when we think about the, when we think about the outer limits of tolerance and we think about the fact that is Israel really going to exist in another 2,000, 4,000 years? I think it is. I don't know the form that it's going to be, but I think if we keep up the, the dialogue and the ability to have conflict and to have discourse, we're gonna have our own country. But I think that the new leaders are really taking seriously what it will take to have peace there in the future for their children and grandchildren. So I wanna end just by reading what it is that um, Esther was told by uh, Mordechai. So next week we're gonna read the Megillah. 
and Esther is a very, very important character because she has the obligation and the opportunity to save the Jews. But she's not really sure because she's married to a non-Jewish king. She lives in a palace and nobody knows she's a Jew. And when Haman says to destroy the Jews, she realizes they don't know I'm a Jew. I'm going to be fine. Mordechai comes and says this to Esther, which is, I think, something that at every Jew at some point in their life needs to consider. Mordechai comes to Esther and says, do not think that you will escape the fate of all the Jews by being in the king's palace. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and salvation will come to the Jews from another source, and you and the house of your father will be lost. And who knows if it is not just for such a time and such an opportunity that you reached this royal position. So don't think you can get away with pretending you're not Jewish. Whatever position that you're in as a Jew or a friend of the Jews at this time in history, just like in Persia when the Jews were threatened, each one of us needs to take that obligation to agitate and aggravate and sometimes uh, do things that might seem a little risky just to make sure that the people that we call the Jews are going to be alive tomorrow in the way that we want them to be. Shabbat Shalom.